Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Tea with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. right here on the Curious Anarchy podcast. I am your host, Jermaine, with my wonderful and talented, amazing co-host, Mark. How are you, Mark? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, you're sounding very sprightly this afternoon. <laughs> um, I, 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 um, I feel like uh there's a new day there's a new dawn so let's go forwards excellent excellent and speaking of dawns didn't you say that it was supposed to be well didn't you say that the weather said that uh it was supposed to be a heat wave <laughs> from wednesday well if they did say it would then they said thursday then they said friday now it's the weekend apparently <laughs> oh right okay it's uh interesting how uh the weather likes to make it the rain. You've gone quiet a bit on me. Yeah, uh, can you hear me? That's better. Okay, wonderful. Um, okay, no, so... It's gone quiet again. What's going on? This episode, we wanted to talk about um, the Naomi Osaka. Yeah. Um, and her response to questioning the approach from the media around... It's the, it's the French media. It was the French media media around certain things that she's an activist with life and uh, how they separate that from the tennis um please expound upon your points there well um she she taken the view that what the media tends to do is highlight your negative aspects um, bear in mind, she's a young woman who's stormed through the tennis world. Um, I think being a young woman is part of it because obviously she has more energy than older athletes. Let's put it like that. In First in her game and secondly in her response as a human being. Yeah. So, you know, we know young people are, are far more, and we've certainly interviewed a few people on here that are thriving with energy because they have that spontaneity of youth. So... She is a dynamic, exciting person on and off the courts. Um, and her view, and I think it's a view that if you look back, you'll find supported by people like Serena and Venus Williams, is that when they talk to the press, they tend to highlight the negative parts of the athlete's game, not the positives. So the fact that she's won so much in such a time, um, the fact that she's won so much in such a time, they're not interested. They're more interested in elements of her downfall. So then what the media do is build you up to break you down. Uh, she said that the press have no regard for an athlete's mental health. And this rings true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. Mm. That's quite interesting because we've had a number of incidents over the past five years where famous celebrities have, in some cases, even killed themselves at the attention they received from the press and the ongoing abuse online from trolls who have got nothing better to do than to witch hunt people. Um, she is merely articulating what I think a lot of people feel about the, the press's behaviour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, for example, in 2019, she made £30 million before she hit a ball. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of her career does depend on, on high profile, um, high profile media uh, profiles. I don't know what you call it. Um, yeah, her, her profile in in the media. Yeah. yeah, but she doesn't believe that that then gives them the right to character assassinate her or any other athlete. Mm -hmm. Um. What what she's articulating, I think a lot of sportsmen would agree with that that um, it's not a fair playing field that they can't attack back at the press. They can't say, as a journalist, why do you get drunk every night? You know, they can sit there and just pass judgment on on the athlete. Yeah. She explained that we uh, that athletes are asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before and asked questions that bring doubt into our minds and I'm just not going to subject myself to people 
that bring doubt in my mind. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe the whole situation is kicking a person when they're down, and I don't understand the reasoning for it. Mm. Now, they're threatening her with fines, but the fines she's going to have to pay is like 20000 Wait, so she got fined for speaking No, they're threatening her. They haven't said they're definitely going to do it, but the French, whatever, are threatening to fine her for breaking sort of contracts, which is part of the contract is to have post-match press conferences. Right, okay. No, it's it's more being said that they could be fined. It's not saying she definitely will be fined. Yeah, yeah. But you do have to remember that a £20,000 fine to a £30 million player is, is really not going to change her mind. Mm-hmm. So Venus, it's interesting because Venus Williams has said something. Um, well, one of the clips that they showed was 14-year-old Venus, and she's saying, I'm just here so that I won't get fined when she was um, talking to her. Uh, Venus said, when she commented on Osaka's post, "Go, girl, you do, girl, do you, your life is yours to live. Girl, do you, be you, you know? Yeah. Venus and her sister have been famously outspoken about the importance of mental health and have been fined for missing preferences in the past. Oh, okay, so she's done it too. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so look at this. Backing up Osama's, Osaka's claims are news about new conferences after winning the Australian Open in February. She was criticised for an awkward interview blunder that received just as much press as her win did. Right. Well, that sort of sums it all up, doesn't it? You know, she's won the French, the Australian Open, and rather than talking about that, they're focusing on a press blunder that she made, and that's just insane. Is this is this the one where I think she forgot to thank the the other player? Something, Something. like this, some minor yeah. detail, you know. What what I'm saying to you is that took as much press print and press time as mm. the actual victory she had. Yeah. So it's like they're turning the athletes into robots. You can't make mistakes, and we're not going to talk about a three-hour game where you've beaten someone, amazing game of tennis, and won the final at 18 or whatever she age she is. They're going to talk about the blunder that you made by not saying thank you to someone. Come mm -hmm. on. That's insane. And we put our heroes on pedestals and, destroy, and then progressively attempt to knock them down. That's what our media does. All the people, look at Marcus, uh, Marcus Rashford. All they're waiting to do is find some flaw, some way of bringing them down. You know, we put you up there and we'll bring you down. That's kind of their motto, really. Mm. Uh, I found it was interesting, Jermaine. I was reading about this yesterday and I was really interested in uh, Federer's, Roger Federer's response. He said... What did Roger Federer say? Because this will be interesting. So he said, from an early age, I, I came to realise that the media were a tool for me to use to communicate with my fans. So for him, mm. the media kind of act as his own personal podcast to his fans. Yeah, yeah. So say, for example, he misses a tournament and then he comes in front of the press, he goes, don't worry, guys, I'll be back next time. So he's he's not even talking to the press, really. He's talking through the press. Yeah. But he's a very seasoned athlete. We know maturity gives you that sense of um, reflection that perhaps a younger person doesn't always have the patience to do necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if I was a 40-year-old tennis player having played 20, 30 years in the game, I'd think I'd be that reflective as well. Absolutely. I wouldn't be as good I, as I, a tennis I would player. If, if, he, if that was something that he had understood from the very beginning. He said it was told to him from the very beginning. Right, 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 right. So this, this again is a part of that. I guess it's PR, and I guess it's that sort of tra uh, what do you call it, like media training. Yeah, um, I think I think certain I countries, if... Jermaine. I think certain countries have different strategies about training young athletes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I should imagine that America and Japan probably don't have 
a specific academy for training any kind of athlete. I think they more rely on the management teams to do that. So you take the Williams sisters, if they were kind of generally managed by their father, they would expect the father to have done that with them. Whereas yeah. I imagine somewhere like Switzerland probably have um, schools for athletes. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you like finishing schools, for want of a better word. Mm -hmm. No, that makes um, sense. That makes sense. And I think that highlights the... I want to use the term disparity, but it's not really the term that I really mean. It's not a disparity um, as such, is it? It's more like yeah. a different outlook. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but how it plays out is it, it can work to your benefit or against you. I think in certain countries, they recognise the freedom of the individual of that player. Mm -hmm. And in certain countries, mm -hmm. they have like a school like of developing... It's yeah. an institution. Yeah. yeah. So if you know, if we go across certain sports, like for example, Cuba has a very highly recommended uh, finishing school for boxers. So they, they've got yeah. probably the best boxing training camps in the world. Yeah. 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 Um, if you say, for example, um, gymnastics, China with gymnastics the same, Russia with gymnastics the same, they take a young child and they would literally. Mold them into a mold champion. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that includes li li literally, and, and 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 dare I say, it's it's literally eugenics. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't. I wouldn't call it that, but um, you can call it that if you like. Um, I would say that what what you get is that as accomplished and polished a performance you get on the actual zone of conflict, mm. you get in the press room afterwards. So you you do ultimately get virtually a robot. Yes. Yeah, whereas with other countries, uh, they recognise the freedom. So you're more likely to find, for example, a British boxer saying something outlandish because they don't have that that, that same discipline level of schooling. Yeah? Um, you're more likely to find a British athlete in tears rather than standing there having got zero. You know, if you've got, imagine a Chinese athlete doing gymnastics, getting zero, stony-faced and then walking off, not saying a word, whereas the British, I think, would be in tears and everything. And, and, and that's very much about the different schools of how you deal with success and failure. Mm. Mm. Now, that um, puts a lot of pressure. Elitism. Elitism. That, that's, that's another thing that kind of comes into the sphere for me. Okay. Where, where are you going with that, though? Well, it, it's, it's... Not everybody is playing from the same level. Well, that's not that, elitism. That, like a a universal kind of agreement on how yeah, to yeah, yeah. I, 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 it is down to you know the countries and their own internal workings yeah, um, yeah. but yeah it's it's just interesting okay, how so, it, so let's how. let's talk about athlete a and athlete b one comes from a let them get on it themselves country one comes from a school of dealing with athletes and you could apply the same thing to musicians so you've got athlete A and athlete B. Athlete A comes from a country where you can, you know, your parents can train you. And, and the and athlete B comes from a, a country that has a unified approach to the sport. And let's talk about if they have mental health problems. Mm -hmm. At that point, you will see the distinct difference between the two countries. Because in country A, the person will exhibit their mental health within the press so the press will see lots of facets of their mental health yeah in country b it will happen behind doors yes so what will happen is when they come to the press conference you're almost talking to a ghost yeah 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 and that's by design that's not by accident that's by design mm -hmm. Now, what does that tell us about the pressures on a sports person and how they cope with it? Well, it's it, it's a lot, isn't it? It's um, I guess in in any walk of life, if you are consistently suppressing how you feel, surely there's there's some sort of imbalance taking place. Um, I would certainly say that it's not a long-term strategy. And I think that, okay, one example, I think would be somebody like John McEnroe, who would often blow his lid 
and you know sort of let some of the the pressure out on on yeah. court um controversial yes um within the sport of tennis and 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 i think <laughs> it's funny because when you think about what happens in football amongst players and referees like it's a completely different kind of scenario you can kind of almost get away with a little bit more um but we're talking about different sports and different cultures and, and different different See, i'm not certain that that's true jermaine i'm not certain that that's true i think there is more of an expectation before we start that a footballer will be likely to be drinking, taking drugs, um, fornicating, etc. I think there's more expectation of that. Mm. So it wouldn't surprise people if someone said, if you said footballer A um, was with six teenage girls and, and snorting cocaine, it wouldn't shock a lot of people. If you said a tennis player or an ath- or a gymnastic person did, yeah, it would be shocked. Right, and that's about the expectations behind the sport, really. Mm. You know, mm. we're not surprised to hear footballers do that, and we haven't been for probably a hundred years now. Yeah, I think that that's what I was kind of touching on with. Okay, fine. It's it's yeah, it's a really good point that you've made there. Um, what I wanted to also mention was. Um, Recently, there was, you know, do you remember when we were looking into, um, yeah, it was the tennis disparity. There was a report that was put out, um, or an article, I should say, that was put out about disparity in tennis and the difference in income between, like, I think it was the top 20 or the top yeah, 50, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top yeah, 100, yeah. and then everybody else after that is literally, yeah. like, make, you know, the average or below average um annual salary and having to fund their own career because they don't have the sponsorship they don't have the the financial backing to support them to do it ultimately um as a career you know there are players playing who work in offices and and do other you know manual labor jobs on the side to support themselves um one of the comparisons that i would also make is something that we've spoken about with susanna um, which is about university and um, gaining access to um, university, depending on where you come from. Um, when you're in university, if, if you've got students, you have student A and student B. Student A comes from a, a fairly well-off background and student B comes from a, a fairly not so well-off background. Student B may have to take up additional work in order to fund and cover themselves through their their time where a student a doesn't have to think about the pressures yeah, of having yeah. to support themselves financially because they've got either mommy and daddy or they've got some investment sure. somewhere savings that they can invest into them. um and just i i think about the the pressures of that reality if you lose if, if student b was to lose their job that significantly increases the pressures on them yeah. Student A has n- nothing to worry about. <laughs> you, you know. Um, so I want to I want to take umbrage a little bit with what you've said because there's two you've, you've mixed two different things together, which which I don't think sit in the same bracket. So in all sports, you have elite sports and elite sports people and people lower down the line. So for example, in professional football, our lower leagues would be on a par with the people you were talking about that would have to do a job yes. or whatever. Yeah. So, so what the what the industry would say is that the top earners are the top earners because they demand that much public interest. Mm-hmm. You know, why are, why are sixty thousand queuing to go into a football match in the Premiership, and five thousand queuing in Division Two because that there isn't the interest in Division Two. They, they don't they don't demand that interest. Yeah. So we could put it on a par with musicians. Mm-hmm. Why do certain musicians? get paid millions and some are struggling to just get even their music heard yeah it's capitalism and capitalism is about supply and demand so without the demand you don't hear the supply and it's the same with the top athletes like if there was an athletics meeting in this country tomorrow they would struggle to fill the stadium but if they announced Usain Bolt was appearing it would sell out Mm. 
And that is supply and demand. And that's how capitalism works. Mm-hmm. We don't have the kind of utopian world where we, we, we do it on the merit of performance and, and not on the merit of, of financial pull. So ultimately, or everyone's goal within all the sports is to achieve the highest financial markets, both as owners of, of sporting enterprises and as the performers. Mm-hmm. Because because the key goal, like so, you take a young guy from any country or a young woman from any country, and their dream is to become a professional so they can earn the kind of money they don't have to work anymore for. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say, imagine you and I became a coach of a tennis player in uh, Montserrat, and we trained them from when they were five, and when they were eighteen, they were top twenty in the world. The dream for everyone, you, me, and them, would be that they would become the top three-player and earn 30 million. Because that's how the system's set up. Now, if you go back to when I was a child, the dream was simply to win Wimbledon. That was it. You didn't necessarily think about the yeah. finance. Yeah. But yeah. we've become a financial... Um, I would use the word Babylon, really. I mean, we've become that kind of thing where... where the whole drive for everybody is finance. You know, mm-hmm. people love, steal, borrow, kill just to get their hands on that kind of finance. Mm-hmm. Because that is the collective goal that the media have set up and the education everyone else have set up for people. So for Naomi, if you said to Naomi Osaka or you said to Roger Ferrer or you said to the, all the gymnasts or you said to professional footballers, would you rather win the European Championship or earn 30 million a year? They'd struggle to answer which one they more care about. They'd struggle. I mean, for for um, popularity reasons, they might say to win the European Cup. Well. But in reality, if you actually gave them the choice, you can win that or have a 30 million. What would they choose? Mm. Mm. What was your for? What are you umming about? Interesting point because it's it if you're if you and when you you know when you start out in sport. <coughs> I'm sure you used to play football when you were younger. Badly, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you'd have had those. You don't have to jump, yeah, yeah, so quickly. Yeah, and playing for your favourite football team, playing for England. It was yeah, like I, I, I really get what you mean in terms of you know winning the cup, winning the the Open, the the whatever it might be, the championships, the final, and yeah. having the option of okay, well instead of um, you know winning this and all of the sort of press and attention and all of the stuff that comes along with that, would you rather have X amount of money? Yeah. A tough choice. I guess if you're... <sighs> I guess once you're in that journey, it kind of changes things for you because it's it no longer becomes just about the passion of the sport, the playing the sport, just enjoying it. There's also the business side of things. Um, and how do you maintain your one um your own training but like in tennis your own training um and athletics um football yeah all 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 sports um involve some level of investment if you don't have the money to fund that then what choice do you have would you rather win a cup final or the money to continue playing. That that would be I'm not sure that's the thing. People might want the money just because it's lots of money. I you know, I don't I think I don't I think if someone said to you I'll pay you a hundred pounds a week, that would be enough to live on. Or let's say three hundred pounds a week or a thousand pounds a week. That would be enough to live on. The kind of money we're talking about is way higher than that. Mm -hmm. So you know, like people used to say, I remember so many people used to say to me when I was playing and when I was watching football, they would say to me, well, listen, I'd happily earn my wage I'd get now as a plumber and play foot- professional football. I'd happily do that. Mm-hmm. But once they spent a couple of weeks doing it, my guess is that would change. And they'd mm-hmm. be like, no, no, I want what everyone else is getting. Yeah, yeah. Um, which then heightens the belief that it's, it is financially uh, the motivation as much if not more than the actual 
being the top of the of your sport or winning medals or whatever. I guess that's kind of like a, a bit of a goldfish bowl effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I wonder what pressure that puts. Like I wonder also if. It, Would think of retiring now that she's earned thirty million. Mm. Mm. Or would she be saying, "I mm. want to be the best"? Because potentially she could be better than the Williams sisters because she started at a younger age. So potentially she could be better. Potentially, yes. And and. There is also something that I pick up on this in in terms of even just having expressing the idea that potentially she could be better than the Williams sisters. The Williams sisters were blindingly amazing, talented, talented players, um, exciting to watch, fun to watch. Um, they had great camaraderie between each other when they played each other as well. Like uh, uh, phenomenal, just sports people. Um, I've got, I've lost my point. <laughs> oh, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, oh, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Come in, Mark. Are you there? Mark. Hello and welcome back. Um, technical glitch. Yeah, technical glitch. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure how much of that you actually heard, but I, I was talking about um, Serena and, and Venus Williams and how amazing they were. And then I went, I lost my thread. <laughs> I've got um, that bit. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I've still lost that thread. And uh, yeah, I saw him. <laughs> um, I. I... I think that the pressures that sportsmen are put under, sportswomen are put under, is immense. I mean, they're like they're in a goldfish bowl, on and off the courts, on and off the pitch. Mm -hmm. um, another story that came up over this week is that Ryan Giggs is going to court for having beaten and attacked his girlfriend. So obviously, horrific to hear about domestic violence and that. Um, but. It, if it was uh, if he was an average guy, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Mm -hmm. The fact that he is who he is um, makes it much more front and center of the media. Mm -hmm. um, so that it's very difficult for him to escape that. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Very difficult for him to, for him to not be. In, in absolute the centre of that, if you know what I mean. And um, I think that he has to deal with the consequences of him doing that in the first place and then also the actual case itself. So he's got two different things to deal with. And I, find, I think that's probably very difficult for him to do. Very difficult. Um... Not sure how he copes with that, to be honest with you. Not sure what he would need to do to cope with both sides of that. Mm. Um, and I think that there's another case where a, a sportsman has said he doesn't want to have the, vi the vaccination. He's a rugby player um, and he doesn't want to have the virus um when he goes to uh play in the rugby tour he plays for england in the in the sort of front rank whatever you call it right First. and he doesn't want to have that he doesn't want to yeah. have it right okay and so. i think well that's quite difficult isn't it i don't know but it, it sounds quite difficult to to cope with that to have the, your personal viewpoint about it whether, whether you 
you know, whatever side of the line you draw on it, to have it yeah. magnified. It's not like him saying it to his doctor. This is him being tried by press, by press about yeah. his decision. Now, how how was it the press found out about this? Was it in a press meeting? Or I would it imagine it came out with um, the statements of perhaps why he's dropped or perhaps why they're looking to whether he will go. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my guess is the press will find out with these things anyway, especially with celebrities. So if, for example, there was a famous actor and they decided not to have an injection, although it's no one's business but theirs, I'm pretty certain we'd find out. Totally. Yeah. How and when? I don't know. I mean, I should imagine a lot of people. Who, I saw this thing the other, the other week about um, a woman who had... Um, who had, um, she was famous, like um, someone like Sir, um, Sir, Sir Sienna Miller. And she told something to her mother that she'd only told her mother. Right. Um, and uh, it got out in the press. So she was distrusting of her own mother because she thought that's the only person I've told. Mm hmm. And it turns out the press were listening into her taped, tapped her phone or whatever. So they found out that way. Right. So that almost destroyed the relationship between her and her mother. Can you imagine? So you can say, well, how do the, how do the press find these things out? Mm. Well, there's your answer. Mm. Very suspect. <clears throat> I think, I think not only suspect, but I think it's very like plays on the mental health of these people, which is perhaps coming back to the original thing we were talking about, why Naomi has that response. Yeah, totally. I, I totally, um, I, well, I say totally, I, I have some grasp of where she's coming from in regards to that, because when I, when I look around at, you know, say your Marcus Rashford's, um, your um, who's the player that has the the gun tattoo on his leg? Um, and they blew that up in the press. Oh, almost I can't, as think, I can't hear that. Yeah, uh, I, I remember the Raheem, story about Raheem, Raheem Sterling. Who is it? Yeah, Sterling. He Raheem is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And he blew that story all out of proportion, and he had to explain himself. Um. Now, it's it's tough enough to be in the public eye, full stop, but yeah. to then have your personal bits and pieces leaked, um, I don't know, there's this, there's, there's, I mean, there, there is a freedom of the press, but when it infringes upon, you know, your, your privacy. Well, hold on. You've got to be careful using this term, the freedom of the press. What does that really mean then, Jermaine? I'm, I'm, I'm explaining like, okay. in terms of what I mean in, in what I'm saying, because I get that there, you know, there are things that are in the public interest, but is that, like, is what is being reported necessarily in the public interest? Is it is it useful for us? Is it good for us to know? Is it is it honest? Um, and there, there's a variety of, of media outlets that are designed to pump certain agendas. And you have your red tabs, is it red red tops or red red tabs papers? Your rags yeah, yeah. Um, that are you know just just sensationalist outlets. They they're always looking for something to talk about, whether it's hyperbole or whether it's some weird or wacky story. Um, yeah. Then you'll have some of the more honest and, and integrity um, journalism. Um, I would like to think that we are on that side, <laughs> right here you, at Kiwi. You, mean you and I. <laughs> I don't think I don't even think we're journalists as such. But I, I, I will say this: I, 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 to a degree, I don't see myself as that. But anyway, but um, I think I think most journalism is 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 not about freedom of press at all. I think it's about freedom to oppress. I think I think they they use it as a tool to. I think they see life as the lowest common denominator, and they and they start from that viewpoint. You know, if you have a thesis in life, if I said everyone is generally kind, and I started from that, 
my my all my stories will be interesting. But I should imagine most of the media, because of a few people they meet in their in their paths, seem to think everybody's low life, and they print their stories in that manner. They wait for everyone to fall down. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy that people will fail, and they will be there to print the story when they do. I think the days of honest, um, even-handed journalism are a long way in the past. Probably before you were born. Mm. Mm. Question: Is the onus on the consumer or the producer? Huh. Is my question: Did the chicken come first or the egg? That's a very good riddle. Um, it's the same riddle as you give me, really, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can separate them like that. I don't think mm. it is separable. Mm. So if I produce a newspaper tomorrow and I put every gossip story I could possibly find and it sells millions, is it me for having done that or the people that bought it for having bought it? My answer to you would be, it's probably show, shows the lack of decent information around the world that we are driven to such things. Why do so many people watch EastEnders religiously or Coronation Street religiously? Because it puts some soul in a soulless world, a heart in a heartless world. It's the opium of the people. And so are these stories. Mm. My life's shit. Oh, look, that's okay. Ryan Giggs is beating his girlfriend. You know, it, 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 you're not such a failure if, you know, you're an alcoholic or something, And but Ryan Giggs is beating his partner and he's famous. Hmm. Do we need to know about those things? No, we don't need to know about them, but the media want us to know about them. They, they think this is the gold dust that sells their newspapers. And it does. So are we complicit? Yes. Are they hmm. to blame? Yes. Hmm. Here's your answer. They're both right. <laughs> um, another thing as well is the yesterday, um, Marcus Rashford again, bringing him up. <laughs> Big up Marcus Rashford, by the way. Um, he he had a, a, a bit of a poor performance um, yesterday and was absolutely was it yesterday or the day before, but he was absolutely abused. Yeah, by over 70 over 70 people you you mentioned this um in a conversation and i just thought wow and there were numerous other players in the team that also received abuse wow yeah. like what's wrong with people <laughs> well again i come back to this thing about meaning in life if you don't have much meaning you jump on things and what what we've done since you were at school is create a media a medium a tool within the internet where you Mm -hmm. can facelessly abuse people and there doesn't seem to be a great deal of comeback for it so let's say you and i I had a massive argument and we've never talked to each other again and you then troll me on media whatever i'm doing and there's nothing to stop you doing it You can make up all sorts of stories that are absolutely nonsense and nothing to stop you doing it. And in, in fact, that's how the whole Trump thing went. You know, the whole thing was him creating completely ludicrous. He realized the power of the media. He made up completely ludicrous things. Put put disinfectant in your arm to stop the virus. He just said, well, we're coming to his head, which very much like Boris does. And they kind of like twisted that a bit. I think, but I, I thought it was think, funny. Personally, I don't <laughs> think they did, but that's not the point. Yeah, yeah. Because there are far, far more things that are even more ludicrous than that when you look into them, and that no one cared. No one, no one. They took it at face value. Yeah, sure. Like, for example, some Republicans now are saying that whole disturbance on Capitol Hill around January was uh, people trying to be tourists. What? Yeah. 
Okay, they 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 they've created a new meaning for the word. Created for a new it. agenda for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is, certain people have realised that you can say what you like on social media. So, like, you take this virus. On the one hand, we've got scientists around the world looking at how to stop it and telling people the best way to be safe within it. And on the other side, you could literally say what you like. Because I spoke to a nurse. When did I speak to a nurse? Was it yesterday? I think I spoke to a nurse yesterday. Mm. And she was saying to me, she, in the beginning, she was beginning to doubt it was real because of all these social media videos. She's not from this country, but she works here in this country. Her English isn't great. And she was kind of believing some of these videos. And then she said, and what really made me turn away from it all to say it actually is genuine is that they were filming empty hospitals. And she said, if you know anything about the virus at all, you'd know that people with the virus would not be in the hospital. They'll be in special wards, locked wards. Right? Because we don't want them mixing with the general public. That's the whole point. We don't right. want them mixing with the general public. How on right. earth do you think a photographer, a cameraman, could get in and film in a COVID ward? That would be insane. You might I as well have a Quote, unquote, by the way. <laughs> cameraman, quote, unquote. But you know what I mean? The idea that someone, a member of the public could stroll into a COVID ward is absolutely yeah. ludicrous. And I what makes it... Videos. Yeah, exactly. And what makes it funnier is the ability for people to do that on the media, on the social media. And I could probably film one in my flat without leaving my flat and pretend I was in a hospital. If I had the technology to clip and paste and what have you, it would be, it would be that hard. I could film, look at a film from a hospital in, in, 10 years ago and, and make that look like it's happening now. <laughs> Augmented reality. Yeah. Or, and you know, it was funny enough because I remember when I was at school and being shocked that Stalin had had photo brushed people out of pictures in Russia in very famous scenes. So certain people like Trotsky, he literally had painted out the picture. Wow. And I thought, wow. I mean, first of all, everyone knows that Trotsky was there. And secondly, what level of depraved, depraved thought is that? Quite frankly, that would be child's play today. Mm. In today's society, that would be child's play. I mean, you look at someone like Dr. Felci in, in New York, who was trying so hard to stop the virus and absolutely slated by Trump and his mates to make him out virtually like the devil. Amazing ability to lie without, without uh, fear, without any consequence. And I'm afraid that's the situation you've got with the Marcus Rashford. Because you've got people who, th who literally making this choice. Shall I have a cup of coffee or shall I abuse Marcus Rashford? Shall I go and have a beer or shall I say he's a N-word or something? What shall I do? Knowing full well that nothing is going to happen to these people. They'll probably get more trouble from the coffee they're making. Priorities. <laughs> Years ago, when we did things, say, for example, you were going to go rock climbing, you went with a trained professional. The, the, the thinking being that they were a responsible, trained professional. Nowadays, that, none of that counts. It all goes out the window. You could have a four-year-old taking you rock climbing because technically... Everything we knew as, as reality and normality and norms <laughs> have all gone out the window. <laughs> it has been a very interesting uh, period. A couple of years, yeah, yeah, so yeah. far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, what's happened is it's become like who can do the biggest lie. You know, like when you go fishing and you see who can cast your rod the furthest. It's been like that yeah. with lies. Who can throw the biggest lie out in there and see where, where it goes? To the point that you could say, I could, like you and I could do a thing now, a social experiment. We could say, we could pick anyone, an athlete, a singer, uh, anyone, and we could make up the most horrendous, outrageous, ridiculous lie. 
Mm. <clears throat> I mean, and if it, if it spread like some of these do, that person would have to try and justify that that's not true when, when it's not based on anything. We haven't even met the person. How strange a world we live in. Mm. So for sort of like virtually 2,000 years, we've relied on expertise of, of people in specified fields that, that were advanced in those areas. So say mathematicians, you know, they were advanced and they went to the highest emphasis to understand their, their thinking. They, they tested everything. They, you know, but nowadays, none of that counts. You throw it out a window. Did you know that? Did you know that now six times six is actually 74? You know what? You, you know, know have, the, have you heard of that? The, the the two plus two equals five debate. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm yeah. saying I'm saying six That's times six. six equals seventy two. They've they've re um, they've readdressed it now. That's now the official sum. I don't know if you heard about this. It's actually been done by maths councils around the world. Wow. Okay. I was just completely reinventing maths. But that's what I've just done. Reinventing what I've just done is what people are doing. It's just. (laughs) It's not true, but but I'm saying that's what people are doing. Mm -hmm. And they'll also tell you that some experts have found that this is the case. So I'm waiting for that moment. Someone's going to say it's not actually a black hole; it's a purple hole. You know that thing in space. It's actually a purple hole. Because all facts go out the window right now. I think that that particular question is quite a philosophical one um, from a certain perspective. Um, it's like the whole sort of flat earth argument. <laughs> yeah. no, but, but again, people could, people could genuinely argue the, the earth is flat now and they would argue that other people could back them up in it. Hmm. And there's very little you could do to convince a certain sector of community now that that isn't true. I think a lot of that did happen in the Trump campaign. A lot of it did argue for very, very, very things that we'd proven, proven in all sorts of areas. Hmm. But they said were just not true. And people believe them. And people hmm. come out with it. You take right, the, the easiest one, the simplest one, to say is the whole thing about um, global warming. Clearly it's happening. Clearly it's affecting the globe as a whole. If you listen to Trump supporters, simply not an issue made up by scientists. Nothing real there. That's the world we live in, Jermaine. It's, it's interesting. And even that particular issue of climate change, um, the arguments are incredible um and also it's like uh what's it called things like house piracy sea piracy what the hell um all of these kind of i guess they might be called propaganda um media um yeah. but they, they i'm not sure if you're aware of them but they basically readdress the the argument behind climate change suggesting that Cease uh, piracy in that case um, suggests that uh, the issue with the seas, with the waters, is actually to do with fishing. Right. It's the fishing industry. Um, now, it's based or coming from a vegan perspective. So, where fish are concerned, it's life. So, therefore, the value of life, etc., etc. And they've created the argument that it's the killing of animals. The killing of, of you know fish that's the issue um not human being per se um okay it's it, it's it's a fascinating watch um these these movies are really interesting and i've i've <laughs> i've i've heard of several people um i've spoken with several people who have said you know what i watched that film and then that documentary and then i i, I haven't eaten meat since and i just think wow that's how powerful something can be. That's how powerful um, 
a message can be when you you position it in in such a way. Right, there are thousands of messages like that. Yeah, yeah, and they're coming out every day. So, what percentage of those messages are you going to research yourself properly? Mm. One of the greatest arguments on Facebook is people keep saying, "Oh, go and research yourself," but but you're talking about one area, and there are probably five hundred. Again, it's like how much of what we know have we actually researched to know that we actually know that's it. my point that's exactly my point so therefore and, and, and this, this, this is this is on on like all sides of the spectrum because yeah. we along with a lot of what we've been taught if we've had particular interests we may have well have pursued it and, and found out and unraveled certain things um but generally there's i think there's a general consensus on certain things and is is that is it appropriate for us to have that i think you're mixing two things i think historically we have come to conclusions by scientific progression so for example if you say evolution there were processes that went in place to understand the processes of evolution so we can understand why that's a collective understanding now Mm. but today you don't have to do any of that you see these were done under scientific conditions over over a number of years and so everything for example, these scientists put, puts out is is a theory because it's everything that we know that's been put into it may change in the future and our understanding yeah. may change it's like we, we initially we thought that the earth was flat until we right. somehow figured right. out that it was, it's actually a, a, a round no, you're, you're, you're right but the point of science is that you experiment to get to a theory so let's say we make the theory that the earth is flat we experiment we look at all the conditions we can find and we come up with the conclusion the earth is flat now another scientist could come along 100 years later and discover something we couldn't see and then eventually that becomes actually the earth is not flat actually the world is round yeah now that scientific process that that's always happened so for example there was a time under science People gave put leeches in your body to cure illness. Mm. We don't do that anymore because we found other more efficient work. Mm. So as we progress under our understanding of the human uh, habitat, we'll get better and better at these things. That's not the same thing as making, not going out your room and not doing a scientific experiment, not putting the conditions in place and just coming up with a theory. Right, I'll give you an example. Some people say there was not the moon landing. Mm-hmm. And that's based on them sitting at home, looking into a computer and seeing a shadow. Think about how stupid that could be if you want human knowledge and, and uh, development to be based on things like that. This is why education helps. Don't say the word education. It's a big oh, no-no at the moment. Oh, my bad, I said the E-word. <laughs> yeah, you said the E-word. Don't say that. What do we use instead of education? Common sense. <laughs> Where do you get your common sense from? They didn't land on the moon. <laughs> it's a wonderful world to be in. I, I never thought I'd live in... Uh, you know, I, growing up in the 60s, you see all these amazing films like Willy Wonka and... Um, and um, hair and things like this, you know, really psychedelic films on the road, uh, Easy Rider, and you see these really psychedelic films, and they were movies. I never thought I'd be, or even Matrix, I never thought I'd be living in, actually living in a time when it was like that. Really? I never thought that the film set would become the reality. <laughs> never dreamed it, my world I think. I think that these films like Inception and Lucy and The Matrix, they, they signify something very peculiar about our existence. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, it, it's multi-layered. Um, everybody is coming at a, from a, a situation or into a situation that with their own background. So, you know, kind of taking it back to Naomi Osaka, she has her own background, whether that's, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, societal. Um, now she's kind of crossed over into this mainstream. You know, she's a, a huge figure, and yeah. 
the the approach that she's taken um, to dealing with the French press specifically, um, you know, I don't think that anybody could blame her for that because no, no. why would you want to put yourself into a situation like that amongst people who are ultimately perpetuating uh, an agenda against you, looking for something to bring up or, or promoting the worst of you? So you want to make this about the, the tennis. You want to make this about your performance. So let's deal with that and let's keep it confined to that. Um, whereas then you've got, you know, somebody like you, Roger Federer, who sees the press as a a medium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's interesting how he has that approach. Um, why, why is it that he's able to kind of to, to approach it in that way why why is Naomi Osaka unable to do that or not willing to do that or chosen I'd ask you a simple question if it was you if you were Naomi Osaka how would you deal with it I think I would do what she's done because it's 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 a, it's coming back to the mental health thing it's a mental health issue it's, it's how do you cope with that whatever you say or or not say <laughs> you know is going to be talked about so i guess reducing your your interaction with the press um is a way to manage that um and i guess she'll just she'll just take the fights as i mean the, the point i'm saying by that is i didn't I, it was in a way a rhetorical question because mm. how would anyone listening to this podcast deal with it themselves if they were in that mm. situation Mm. Um, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way. I, I, I think it's about survival. And I think, I think, you know, for me, mm. I'll probably end today's discussion by saying when The Matrix was made, I can't remember the name of the people that made it, the Wodowski brothers or something, it was something similar to that. Mm. I can't, there is actually a woman that wrote the the Matrix, and she no, but the uh, the people that made the film, the actual uh, film. Oh yes, um, yeah. I don't. I was going to say the there, Wilbur there was brothers. something like the Wojcicki brothers. I can't remember the exact uh, name. Yeah, but something like that. Yeah, they were lauded at the time for being amazing in the scientific, um, sort of the, the, the the genre of science fiction. Mm-hmm for making such a progressive and thoughtful film. Now that was probably made 20 years ago and in the 20 years since, it feels more like a documentary. (laughs) Maybe they had the foresight. Well, who knows? We will never know. uh, Checkpoint. Um, I'll I'll just leave it like this, Jermaine. If that's what's happened in 20 years, God knows where we're going to be in 20 years' time from now. We'll be completely AI by then, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I wasn't even talking about... But I'm not talking about the technology. <laughs> I'm talking about the pressures on the individual and the lies that society creates and the and the whole the whole um, social blaming and naming and, and maiming of people, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. If we move towards a more technological state, how much more of that will be going on? We will be able to create AI penal colonies like Australia used to be. Probably. Stay tuned to find out here on Netcurial Rex production version of Curious Anarchy. not sure what you meant by that but yeah so thank you for tuning in um and please look out for more episodes we have yeah. uh, series coming we have more coming through the love triangle we'll also be having uh, some more episodes of by exclusive invitation Ooh. only by exclusive invite only um so yeah look out for us give us a follow like follow us on uh, the twitter and instagram both handles are at underscore curious anarchy thank you also very much jermaine i just want to hot off the press i want to let people know that jermaine and i are on the verge of exploring sport around the european championships which kick off on june the 11th that's all we've got time for today 
Thank you so much. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Thank you.